All right, this is the Big Kid Show. I'm your host, Nick. I am not a hero. I am just a man, a big kid man. Today in the trenches with me, I have two of every big kid's favorite fellas, Mark and Brian, a.k.a. Mr. B. Gentlemen, I will ask that you stand at attention as I give the rundown of today's funtivities. Today is the 4th of July, the day when we so proudly celebrate the independence of the United States of America. A day when we celebrate this great nation and the freedoms granted to us by this greatest of nations. A day that should be filled with fireworks, parades, and barbecues. And also a day to give great thanks and praise to the many heroes of this country. The real American heroes. Which we will certainly do. But here at the Big Kid Summer Camp, we will celebrate and play the Big Kid way. Thank you, we welcome and appreciate your applause. G.I. Joe is an American media franchise icon with comic books, cartoons, movies, lunchboxes, and action figures. In 1982, the G.I. Joe franchise saw a highly successful relaunch. The G.I. Joe product line with new branding. G.I. Joe, a real American hero. But as we all know, Roadblock, Scarlet, Snake Eyes, and Beachhead, while they may be our heroes... They are fictional characters. So, in true big kid fashion, today we thought we would honor America as we each present our top three real American heroes. Fictional real American heroes, that is. That's right. Let's count down our top three fictional American heroes. While we would all love to pay homage to some of the true heroes of this country, like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., and Robert O'Neill, But because of the juvenile nature of this show, we will be showcasing our favorite fake American heroes, and they don't have to be G.I. Joes. That was simply just a great example. And of course, many of you will say, hmm, where have I heard something like this before? (laughs) Well, you might remember this genius advertising campaign from another great American icon that began in 1998. Budweiser salutes you, Mr. Footlong Hot Dog Inventor. Mr. Footlong Hot Dog Inventor. When conventional wisdom said no one could make a hot dog longer than six inches, you dared to dream. Dared to dream. The crowd cheered your 10-inch wiener. Wait, you said, I can give you two more inches. Oh. So this butts for you, mister, for giving us all a bigger wiener. Yes. <laughs> well played, well played. So let's all raise up a Budweiser and say, this Bud's for you, America. You deserve it, and you look thirsty. The rules for our top three are as follows. They must be fictional characters between the years 1980 and 2000, and they all must be an American hero. All right, men, at ease. Let's give the people what they want, another great top three. Mr. B, because for some strange reason, you remind me the most of a G.I. Joe. Maybe it's your inability to blink or your hollow torso. How about you go first, my friend? Who is your number three? Oh, love that intro, and I'm not sure what to say about these other comments. But you're a G.I. Joe. You can't say anything, obviously. Oh, yeah. And, and I don't blink very often. You are correct. All right. So my number three fictional American hero, I'm going with Captain John H. Miller from Saving Private Ryan. 
quality Ooh, choice. That's right. Played by Mr. Tom Hanks, the genius of Tom Hanks. If you guys remember the movie Saving Private Ryan, maybe one of the greatest military films ever. Yes. Um, and the reason why I picked him is not just because he's, you know, a captain in World War II. He did plenty of heroic things throughout the movie, um, you know, following commands, even just to rewind and ca- recap a little bit, you know, being part of D-Day and storming Omaha Beach with uh, Company C, 2nd Ranger Battalion. I mean, just surviving that alone puts you in my book as a hero. Yeah. Go ahead, Big Mark. You, you, you had something going on there. Yeah, he was on actually uh, my very close to making it in my top three list. And, and that movie is, that is probably one of my favorite World War II movies. And I think with, with the, the way the movie was done, how realistic it was, um, but that's a character that just jumps out at you. You, you can't not pay attention to, yes. to that character. And, and it's, I mean, and appreciate you, it. most of that have seen the movie know the premise that it's World War II. Uh, there's Private Ryan, three of or three of his other brothers are killed. So early on, I think it's like three days after landing on Omaha Beach, they send uh, Tom Hanks's character to go find this uh, Matt Damon, Private Ryan, because his three brothers have been killed. So even that being an order is not the greatest orders you would like to receive. You know, oh, you yeah. want us to go storm around Europe looking for one dude. Um so just being able to you know follow orders and while following orders he if you remember there was multiple t- times and places he could have just kind of taken the easy road if you want to call it so yeah. there was one, one where they encountered like the machine gun thing and even the other troops are like let's just let's go around this thing and he's like we need to take this out because someone else is going to come upon it and it's going to kill a bunch of people so taking yeah. the taking the hard way, even though he could have got the easy out, saved a bunch the of American lives. American way, right? Um, and then even they when they finally find uh, Private Ryan, you know he refuses to leave because his orders were to guard this bridge. It was like the last bridge to cross. He could have just said, "Cool, you're on your own, bud," and left. Instead, he decided, "I'll stay since I'm the ranking commander and actually help battle to protect this bridge," which again just kind of doing maybe what's right, even though wasn't what's easiest. Yeah. So I just, I even, I watched the movie maybe a few months ago. It it might've been on TV, but just that character just screams on the screen of just, you know, heroic, patriotic, um, you know, following orders, even when you don't want to, it's, it was a great role. And that's my, that's my American hero at number three. That's a great American hero. And what a better, choice i mean come on it's world war ii right that's like that's the end all be all of world conflict and to have a leader and that's what he is that's why he's such an iconic figure he's a true leader and you said it correctly he's leading a group of men on a mission that nobody really wants to go on no nobody really wants to be there it's world war (laughs) and they're going to go save this one guy and time and time again He's able to rally the troops and to keep them focused on the mission and to keep their heads in the game. And you mentioned that machine gun scene. Yeah. You're right. They could have just walked around it, but we could have lost other men if if he didn't. And I remember them. They're kind of like hunkered down behind that dead cow. Yep. And he's, yeah. he's laying out the strategy for taking this dude out. And that's the other thing that was great about him, not just leading those men 
but also laying out the strategy of here's the problem. Here's here's the thing we are currently facing, the life and death situation we find ourselves in. I need you to do this. I need you to do this. And I need you to do this. And don't question me. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. We, we need to get out of here with our lives. Yeah. The, re- the resourcefulness, even in the bridge scene where like, he showed him how to create those sticky bombs, which they used a sock and they threw it on the tanks and it blew the chains like, you know, very American, you know, ingenuity of here. Let's use what we got to get the job done. Yeah. Quality choice, Mr. B. Yeah, definitely and, quality and you, choice. And if you haven't seen that movie recently, watch it again. It's, I mean, it's got to be top five best military movies ever, in my opinion. Yeah, easily, easily. Yep. I saw that one in the theater. Oh, and that's a theater movie because the the the, that, o- the opening scenes are so intense with the storming of uh, Omaha Beach. It's just, I mean, you're like in there, like, oh, this Dude, is happening. It, that Omaha Beach scene at the theater. This is the only time I've ever had to do this in my entire life. And I used to go to the theater every weekend. I had to get up and walk out. It was so freaking intense. Wow. I had to go out and take a breather. Like, yeah. because it it was weird because, you know, my grandfather served in World War II. And, and I'm sure. As, some as, of, as, did, my, as did both as my did grandfathers. Yep. Yeah. And so during that scene, at some point, I'm sitting there going, Holy shnikes. I th- I'm watching something that really happened. Can you imagine the terror? Yeah. Those young th- we're talking boys. These are oh, yeah. most of them are boys. Tom Eight, Hanks' 18. character was a, a teacher. He was a little older, and some of the other characters were a little older, but most of the dudes that served in that war were were 18, 19 years yeah. old. And yeah. shoot, I even know some people talking to some old timers where there were guys that lied about their age and signed up because they looked at it as some kind of opportunity. Oh yeah. There's you know, some 16, 17, 17 yeah. year olds. And yeah. I ju- just for the, uh, I, I did look this up. Apparently uh, captain John Miller, Tom Hanks's guy was supposed to be 34 years old in the role. So obviously much more seasoned than some of the 18 year old kids. Wasn't he yeah. like an English teacher or something? He was some kind of yes. teacher. I think. There were some of the smaller backstories that all the other uh, of his soldiers you know were trying to learn more about him and he was real close-lipped but he eventually led on that he used to be a school teacher and there was actually a really long quote where he said he's like i don't even care who this ryan guy is he's like i want to find him because it gets me closer to getting home to my wife you well know? that goes down yeah. when two of his men are about to duke it out and kill oh, each yeah. other because they're at <laughs> odds with what they should be doing and he he very quickly disrupts that because they're taking they're raising this pot. If you can guess what he did back in the real yep. world before the war. Yep. And he kind of calls them off by saying, you know, what, what's the number up to, to it's like uh, a thousand or something. Yeah. yeah. And, but what a great movie. And, and, you know, this is, this is a fun show We're we're, we're going to have a lot of fun and that's a great answer, but we should point out that is the greatest of generations right there. They, yes. That was yeah, for sure. Great people yeah. and God bless them. Because we wouldn't be able to sit here and have this conversation today. You are exactly right. Sacrifice so much for us. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Good pick, Mr. B. Number three. I love it. All right. Mr. Mark, what you got, buddy? 
So, with my choice, uh, Mr. B, I also picked someone who is not very fond of Nazis, but kind of went in a little bit of a different direction. So, my number three selection would be Dr. Henry Walton, Indiana Jones Jr. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, obviously, title character and protagonist from the Indiana Jones franchise. Um, anybody who isn't familiar with it, God help I've you. I've never heard of him. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> first appeared in 1981. So, there was Raiders of the Lost Ark. That was kind of the first movie that kicked it off, followed by Indiana, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom in 1984. Amazing movie. Cover your and heart, then, Indy. Cover your heart. <laughs> and Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade in 1989. I guess they had a, um, a young Indiana Jones Chronicles from 92 to 96. It, I didn't really... It was, surprising, it was surprisingly pretty good. I did watch. Was some of it? it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna have to go back and check that out. I actually didn't even know they uh, they had that. So, and then they had a, a newer one, I guess, in 2008. You know, that came out with the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Shia so, LaBeouf. but you know, obviously Indiana Jones. I mean, you, you want to talk about a guy who acts like a hero? I mean, in the in the very first movie, um, you know, he's pitted against the Nazis commissioned by Hitler to recover artifacts of you know, great power from the Old Testament, right? So, um, there's a whole piece of them. And that one in the 1984, which is actually the prequel, the Temple of Doom, you know, he goes to India and attempts to free enslaved children and these special stones from this, uh, this is called the Thuggy Cult. Um, and then the third film, so that would be The Last Crusade. Um, it's kind of set similar to the, the first one. But I mean, the whole thing is, you know, he's basically a brave guy that's willing to do whatever it takes to complete the mission. And does it get more American than that? Right. I mean, take the task, complete the task, make it happen, get it done. So, I mean, I think, you know... Indiana Jones is one of those guys, especially like me as a kid growing up, like you wanted to be him, right? You wanted to have the whip. You wanted to have the cool leather coat and the, you know, oh, fedora. Oh, and I, I am him. Oh, <laughs> I, I wasn't aware, Mr. B. I, I wasn't was, aware. I was digging around in my backyard and I found all kinds of artifacts. There you go. <laughs> there you go. No, that's so, yeah. I, I love that pick. And you're right. It's being fictional. I mean, again, no superpowers, just high IQ, very smart. But then like, you know, the whole, you know, like he's, he's not like he's even like the toughest guy, but he's able to win fights. And um, even the yeah. one scene member where the guy like is whipping around that sword and doing all his moves, and he just pulls out his gun and shoots him. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, that, that was pretty American right there. <laughs> I'm bringing a knife to a uh, gunfight. Yeah. No, that's, I, I, and it's, I have to, so Indiana Jones was like, I think that was four on mine. So we're, nice, we're, nice. we're thinking the same, buddy. We're thinking the same. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oddly but, enough, in the real world, he too is a teacher. So it looks like we're celebrating whoa, teachers. Two, yeah. two t happy. Hey, we thank all you teachers out there. That's two teachers yeah. in a row. Not Respect to, to the teachers. Not to diminish his career as a teacher, but I'm pretty sure he was having sex with some of the students. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we won't speak about that part. <laughs> he, he was never in class. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to use your imagination too much uh, at parts of the one movie there. But. Uh, all right, there we go. We got two number threes down. Excellent picks, my friends. Those are you call him real Dr. Jones, American Dr. Jones. heroes. 
And for the big Nick pick for number three, I have Casey Ryback. Does that ring a bell with anybody? Casey Ryback. Hmm, I can't I, say that you, it does. You, you might have stumped me. me. Well, here we go. Casey Ryback is a chief petty officer assigned as a cook on the USS Missouri, but not just any cook. He serves as the personal chef for the captain of the battleship. Sit back and let me tell you a story, my friends, a true <laughs> hero's tale. The USS Missouri arrives at Pearl Harbor, where then-President George Herbert Walker Bush announces that the ship will be decommissioned in California. But on the way, we will be celebrating Commanding Officer Captain Adams' birthday. And guess what? It's a big deal. Executive Officer Commander Krill has a helicopter land on the ship. The helicopter is full of mercenaries and an insane former CIA operative, all disguised as caterers and a rock and roll band. With the help of Commander Krill, the mercenaries seize control of the ship by killing and taking captive the ship's sailors. The terrorist plan to sell the ship's Tomahawk missiles for a boatload of cash. But what the terrorists could not have planned for is the cook, Casey Ryback, is a former Navy SEAL with extensive training in counterterrorism. And he, along with the help of a Playboy playmate, take back the ship and save the day. And let's not forget, three years later, Casey Ryback, now a chef at the Mile High Cafe in Denver, is on vacation on a train heading west to L.A. When, as absurd as it may be, the train and everyone on board is taken hostage by a group of mercenaries and another former CIA operative turned terrorist. The terrorists stand to make $1 billion to blow up the eastern seaboard. But what the terrorists could not have planned for is passenger Casey Ryback is a former Navy SEAL with extensive training in counterterrorism. <laughs> and you he, mentioned that already? He's a former Navy SEAL. <laughs> and he, along with the help of a young porter, take back the train and save the day. So terrorists, if you are listening, cancel your plans because our Navy is strong. The men and women of our military are strong. And the cooks of this country will kick your ass. <laughs> My brother-in-law would agree. You got to you gotta quit the suspense here, Big Nick. Who played Casey Ryback? Are you getting to that? Steven Seagal is yeah, Casey Ryback. Steven Seagal. And oh, I'm Steven Seagal. What is so funny is I love both the Under Siege movies, one and two. And Under Siege 1 was such a success that they're like, you know what? We're just going to do the exact same story, but... Move it from a boat to a train. Yeah. Oh, because <laughs> we got like, how do we have Steven Seagal kicking more ass? Let's put it on a train. <laughs> Sounds good. Tommy Lee Jones is one of the, he's the crazy CIA operative that turned insane and he's taking over the boat. And his partner, Commander Krill, is who? Crazy been, Gary Busey. See, it's been so long <laughs> since I saw Under Siege that I even when you said that, I was like, wait, I remember that movie, but it's been I bet it's been 20 years since I watched that. Seagal had a lot of movies, but I think Under Siege, the first one has got to be his best one. Under Siege actually just popped up. I think it was on my Netflix or something, something like that. But it's it, uh, man, I was really close to watching that because I was like, dude, I, I just guarantee there's enough one liners and good action pieces yeah. in that film to hold you over all night. So oh, what's, I, it's, what's it's, so what's so American about it is somehow the most badass Navy SEAL is working as a cook on a, on a boat <laughs> a and, sous chef. and it just happens to happen. He's like, I must deploy my skills to save America. It's like, why is this guy cooking, man? What are you doing? Yeah. Right. 
I don't my know. Chicken's even, burnt. Yeah, it's usually, like usually you don't chicken. put five hundred thousand dollars of training into a cook. <laughs> well, I mean, he's he's former Navy SEAL. He's it's supposed to be like his twilight years, right? Uh, so he's well, like, okay. you know what? I'm just going to be. Yeah. I still want to collect the paycheck. How about I just become a cook on a battleship? No biggie. And yet he's the most highly trained, highly skilled person on the battleship and the only person that knows this out of the hundreds of men that are on this battleship and the even the navy that's communicating with them later uh as they realize that the ship has been taken and that they're going to be selling off these tomahawk missiles and such none of these guys know who casey ryback is or why he's on the boat the only person that would have known was the admiral i guess if that's what his uh, well and even mark and i didn't even know who he was so (laughs) yeah the commanding officer it was the commanding officer that he knew but he was killed early when they were taking over the boat when the mercenaries were taking over the boat so so you terrorists out there you better make sure steven seagal's not cooking on my boat (laughs) that just no that that's to go that's to show everyone that's to show everyone that from top to bottom you best be worried about everybody on that oh yeah Cause even and like you said, I, I we know some cooks. Don't you even go back in that kitchen bringing your food back. You Don't will get a roundhouse cooks. kick right to the ribs. Even the Playboy playmate who helps him, she kills some people. He Who's teaches it? her. He teaches Who's her very quickly how. So she's supposed to jump who, out of the birthday cake for the birthday. Do you, do you party. remember who played her? Erica Eleniak. Oh, all right. She's a beauty, a true beauty. She's she's, she's, so she's okay. She's pretty attractive. And of course, within, you know, within a matter of like 30 seconds, Seagal teaches her how to be like a weapons expert. Like he's a Navy steel. So he always says, all you got to do is punch him in the throat. And <laughs> you now awesome. have all my training. Yeah, I, lo- I, I love that pick. And I love that. I mean, now that Quality. you're talking about it, you're right. That completely fits, but I for- almost forgot about under siege. So thank you for bringing back under siege to my life. I now have purpose to go watch that movie, maybe even later today. I don't know. Well, and I've the always, world a better place, Big Nick. I've always had a fondness for the U.S. Navy, so I wanted to make sure that I included yes, someone absolutely. from that fine branch of our military. All right, big kids, number threes are in the books. Let's go around the room and hit number two. Mr. B, give us the number two. All right, so we're going to go a little bit left field from my, my number three pick, and we're going to go with... Oh, my man, Rocky. Yeah. Rocky, Rocky, Rocky Balboa. Who? And we're going to go. Who's uh, Rocky? And we're going specific. <laughs> we're going Rocky Balboa from Rocky Four. Oh, yeah. All right. So if anyone that remembers, and we may have talked about this before, this is the Rocky where uh, the large, large Russian, or excuse me, USSR fighter played by... Um, uh, Dolph Lundgren got to get that uh, right. Uh, ends up, you know, he's training, ends up killing Apollo Creed, which is a sad day in sports. And so Rocky wants to defend him because that's his buddy. Um, but of course, he says, "Well, if you're going to fight me, you got to come to my my homeland." Come to and my so, hood. If you guys remember, always the training sequence. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dolph Lundgren's like in this high tech lab with all his equipment, and they're like giving him, excuse me, steroids and. Rocky's in a cabin, like lifting wood and, and, and just running around in the snow. No pain. No yeah, pain. And, and so, I mean, even where you tied with it, it's like, all right, what's American about that? 
hard work, perseverance. Don't give up. I don't need fancy stuff. I'm going to, I'm going to work harder than you. Even if you have every advantage over me and he's, Remember, he was taller. He had the yep. the 2000 PSI punch. That was a big thing in the movie. But still, he's like, nope, I'm going to get there and uh, lift up my whole family in that cart. And, <laughs> and he remember he had that log. He was like walking around with a huge. Yeah, he had a rickshaw. Like, where did the rickshaw come in the middle of the. It's uh, Russia. They're all over the place. But in in four feet of snow, what's a rickshaw going to do? <laughs> if he know. dies, he dies. Yeah. And it's even if you guys remember in the movie, I mean, he's going into Russia. He's just getting booed. And he goes 12 rounds with this guy that's just they're beating the crap at each other to the point where the Russian spectators start cheering for him. Can I jump in and make a comment about this real quickly? If you must. Here we go, right? The middle of the Cold War. Well, I don't know what the middle was, but we're definitely during the Cold War, according to the movie. Rocky Balboa, the Italian stallion, America's champ, he goes over to Mother Russia, right? And he's going to have to fight the giant Ivan Drago in front of all of... I mean, this is not just spectators that are his countrymen. These are also like the leaders of the yeah, country gov- as well. government officials and yeah but what a bunch of fair weather fans these guys are because it's like <laughs> as the fight drags on they're like oh you know what forget about our champion here we got ivan drago forget let's start cheering him. for the little american guy yeah well but see i put it towards this that's how tough rocky is to the point where he's like, I can win over all of Russia by getting, you know, and even like Wolves, the one scene, he's Drago says to his trainers, he's like, he is not human. He is like a piece of iron. (laughs) (laughs) But just hard work. And like, again, was Rocky the most talented? Nope. Was he physically gifted? Nope. Worked his ass off, won the fight. And at the end, if you remember, he's like, he's like, if I can change and you can change, everyone can change. Oh, yeah. I don't, yeah. that's, that's like Rocky's I have a dream speech, right? Yes. Like it's like the uh yeah. the Gettysburg Gettysburg address for Rocky Balboa. He, he's he goes uh, talking about, you know, the world's problems and stuff like that and he mind you they're like bloody both of oh, them are they're really bloody. They're, <laughs> the whole ring is just like full of sweat and blood and he says you you got two guys out here Beating the hell. He's like killing each other or something. <laughs> and he wins over the crowd again, right? And then, oh, yeah. And of course, they show they show the son at home watching. Yes. Probably watching on pay-per-view. And he's like, it's like Christmas Day. He's he's boxing on Christmas Day away from his child. Yeah, you know, he even tells his son yeah. Merry Christmas into Merry the camera. Christmas. Yep. And the son's like, that's my dad. That's my yeah. dad. Yeah. Well, and I know it falls outside of our time frame, but do you guys also remember the inspirational speech that Rocky gives in, I think it was the 2006 Rocky Balboa to his son, right? I mean, that's like, that's a real American. It's not about how hard you can hit, it's about how hard you can get hit and keep getting up. Keep getting up. Yeah. And, And a side note the most American apparel in that movie. Apollo Creed before oh, that yeah. fight. He actually, yeah. remember, he was all American. And then who came out and sang the song for them? James Brown, the hardest working man in show business. Ha! He came ha! out there and just, and I was like, that's about the most American intro to anything ever I've ever seen. Like, actually, I think if I was ever to fight, I want James Brown 
to be on a hologram. I'm gonna come out there and just be. A, I'll have American hair. I'll be. I'll have a jeans jacket. I'll just be flowing American. So, Rocky, and specifically Rocky from Rocky Four, was my number two fictional American hero. Hey, work hard, train hard. You don't have to be the greatest, but don't let anyone outwork you. Well Before played, we move well on, I would also like to point out that that was the movie that Uncle Polly taught the robot to fall in <laughs> love with him. All right, let's not forget about that. That's, right. also, scene. that's also, I guess, American of teaching robots to fall in love with you. I don't know. So in a way, it's a bit of a sci-fi film as well. All right. Fantastic <laughs> pick. Fantastic good drop in. <laughs> Here we go. Mr. Mark, you are up, my friend. Give us your number two. All right. So for number two, this guy has got a serious resume. And I think I like Mr. B's idea. I, I could probably even tie this down to one specific period of time. But the reality is it doesn't even matter the period of time because this dude's resume is extensive. And that man is John McLean. <laughs> yes. Die hard, baby. Be back. So... If we can just take a real quick gander through this gentleman's resume, I think Shall it's going to be pretty clear why he was a choice. So let's start with the original Die Hard movie. Saves Nakatomi Plaza from German terrorists. No big deal. You've got Hans Gruber who describes him as just another American who thinks he's John Wayne. And then, you know, McLean says, well, it's actually a little partial to Roy Rogers, but, uh, <laughs> but he's a New York cop and He's a guy that always seems to be kind of left or found himself in places that he didn't exactly expect to be, but in true American spirit, moved forward and took advantage of the situation and did what he had to do. Die Hard 2 saves Washington Dulles Airport from mercenaries who were working with armed forces. Loaded Weapon 1, he had an appearance. This one wasn't quite as triumphant because he got his trailer blown apart by a helicopter with a machine gun who they thought they were shooting one of the guys <laughs> from the movie. And John McClane kind of comes, uh, you know, crawling out with a white flag. Hey, also American because sometimes you got to sell yourself a little bit. Sometimes you got to sell yourself. That's right. Die Hard with a Vengeance. He chases a bomber named Simon while completing a bunch of different like riddles trying to track the guy down, right? So he's almost like part Batman who probably could have qualified on my list, but didn't quite make it. You got live free or die hard. So he's got a terrorist, Thomas Gabriel, who's intent on taking out infrastructure across the U.S., power plants, traffic lights, transportation, financial markets on Independence Day. And who saves Independence Day? You're goddamn right. It's John McClane. Yes. And also, a good day to die hard, he takes out a Russian who's trying to steal weapons-grade uranium. So, I think that resume probably speaks for itself, gentlemen. But So, uh, so what did he do? <laughs> he <laughs> didn't do a lot. He, uh, he called in sick a few days. He, uh, <laughs> no, so, and it's Mark's, our brains are getting too close. So, that actually was my number five. So, ah, I yes. had a close battle. And so... Um, what I was interesting, I think with John McClane, obviously played by the, the awesome Bruce Willis was as the, as the movies progressed, if you remember the stuff he did got more and more like spectacular. Yep. So, so in the first film, he was just like a regular dude, just trying not to die. And, but like, it wasn't there a scene where you like ramped a motorcycle into a helicopter. So you're like, all right, suddenly he learned how to like be, you know, a ninja versus just, he's a regular (laughs) cop that weighed 185 pounds. And 
<laughs> well, and I think every movie he got injured, like to some capacity, and I think like progressively worse throughout the movies. And what did he do? Overcome injury. That's right. That's yes. goddamn American well, right there. And, and because I had this on my short list, so any guess how many terrorists he killed in the total five films? Anybody want to take a stab? Four forty-one. Oh, that's that's okay. I'm going to go with forty-two. So the answer is seventy-three. Ah. Now again, I, I'm, a lot not of sure, I'm not sure. So the big kid show uh, research department sometimes is a little off, but that's the number that they came <laughs> to me with. Um, so yippee ki yay, mother. Yes. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. But no, I, I love that pick. Super American. Again, you're stuck in a bad situation. He could have taken the easy way out and said. I'm yep. about to, I'm about to just go to Wendy's and get out of here. Bounce. And instead he's like he's like, "Well, my mom's well, my problem. Not yeah. my problem." He's like, "I'm going to partner pre- up with <laughs> with yeah, Samuel I, Jackson and I, make some I, things happen." I got to kill Hans Gruber. <laughs> the Gruber. <laughs> great pick, All buddy. All right, John McClain, certainly a great pick, one of my one that I considered as well. All right, here for the big pick. Big Nick pick number 2. I have a fictional character played by a six foot seven inch tall bleach blonde tan as a suede jacket, Terry Jean Bolay. That's right. I went with Hulk Hogan. Nice. <laughs> he was on my very short list. He almost cracked it at the but last he, minute. But he's a real guy named Hulk Hogan. <clears throat> Hulk Hogan is a fictional <laughs> character who, upon his return to the WWF on January 23rd, 1983, he pinned the Iron Sheik to become the heavyweight champion of the wrestling world. And as silly as it is, I grew up watching wrestling, so I call it the WWF rather than the WWE because Me as well. that's how long ago I was watching this stuff. Because <laughs> that's the correct way to word it. Everything else. Do you know is- they got sued for that? They uh, they actually had to change the name because there was a copyright. I actually did a little bit of research on that because I was interested in why they switched it to. Does the, the McMahon but- family own WWF and he only owns WWE? Is there something like that? Like it's. No, it was actually, um, I think it was related to one of the um, channels. Yeah, I there was, I, I'm not sure. I, I wouldn't be the one to ask on that. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, oh, no, it was. I take that back. It was the uh, World Wildlife Fund. So oh. it was a, yeah, it was, it was a legitimate lawsuit field. about it for trademark. Uh, you would think that they would be all about it. Like, Hey, so people are going to search for WWF and be like, while you're right? at it, why don't you donate five bucks to save a raccoon? Give us yeah. a donation. Yeah. Well, Hulk Hogan was the headliner of eight of the first nine WrestleMania events. The Super oh, Bowl. Really? I didn't know it was that many. Wrestling. Yeah. Oh. And while he is not nearly, not nearly my favorite wrestler, he fits perfect for this category as he told kids watching everywhere to train, say your prayers, eat your vitamins, be true to yourself, true to your country, and be a real American. And of course, you have the ringside Hulk Hogan theme song. Real American. Listen to these lyrics from the chorus. I am a real American. Fight for the rights of every man. I am a real American. Fight for what's right. Fight for your life. Amen, you know, you know what, Big Nick? Man, I'm ready pure, to run through a wall. No, pure poetry. I've, I feel like I'm about to just paint my chest USA and run down the street right now. <laughs> I love I love the uh the, I love the preaching to the children the train say your prayers eat your vitamins be true to yourself true to your country and be a real american 
<laughs> no, that's a super, super yes. quality choice, Nick. Honestly, that like I thought even as of today, I thought about switching out my third pick for for Hulk Hogan. So well, and that's, it's, and that's it's, definitely quality. Even if you guys remember in our discussions up to the episode, uh, like some of those little gifts on our phone, there's the, yeah. the Hulk Hogan one with the American flag and he's playing guitar. Is there anything more American than Hulk Hogan with a flag behind his back playing an American guitar? When you no. sent that, you sent that to the group. <laughs> I got a little nervous because I had already decided by I decided by that point that Hogan was in my top five. Like I was like, okay, I have my five. I just don't know what the order will be once I narrow it down to three. Oh, I'm playing some head games. That, I got a little nervous. I'm like, they know somehow. <laughs> they, they know. <laughs> they came into my house and looked at my notes. <laughs> All right. I went with Hulk Hogan for my number two. We are down to number one on each Ooh. one of our list here for our Real American Heroes 1980 to 2000 top three. Mr. B, before you give us our your number one, how about you give us your three and your two again? Of course. So for my number three, it was Captain John Miller, played by the spectacular Tom Hanks in Saving Private Ryan. Number two. Rocky Balboa with focus on Rocky four mm -hmm. played by All the right. amazing self Sylvester Stallone. Beautiful. And for your number one, Mr. B. All right. So if my number one, I'm going, and this was one that again, I, I did the same thing. I think you did big Nick. I was shuffling. I'm going back and forth. I went with Forrest Gump. Oh, I oh Forrest. Played by again Tom Hanks. Run, Appar apparently, I love Tom Hanks. So two, yeah. two, two Tom <laughs> Hanks roles. But I, I want to get to why Forrest Gump is my number one fictional American hero. All right, because there's many little things you could suggest and talk about, but through the career of his film in the in the movie Forrest Gump, which if anyone hasn't seen that, you're maybe not a true American. You need yeah. to go watch Forrest Gump. It's an amazing movie. Um, but let's just start off. So even as a young kid had a disability, so already has a setback, maybe he had the leg braces, um, fell in love with the little school sweetheart, Jenny, uh, discovered real quick that he was fast when he broke the leg things off and he's running. Yep. So, you know, I was running, you know, he took off sprinting. Um, the speed he had alone took him to high school football, Eventually, he went to Alabama and made the All-American team and met JFK. So already, I mean, that's pretty American just right there to yeah. play football and you work your way up to seeing the president. All right. And we're just we're, we're just getting into college. Right. So then after college, after college, he enlists in the U.S. Army because he's like, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. I might not be the brightest fella, but I love my country. List in the army. All right. He gets sent to Vietnam in 68. Mm -hmm. In the 9th Infantry Division in the Mekong Delta. It's a rough area. I don't know if you guys have been there. During his service. <laughs> Only once. Only yes. once. Yeah. I mean, I, if you want, you can vacation. It's all right. They um, got mosquitoes the size yeah. of footballs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but he befriends uh, a, a fellow soldier, Bubba, if you guys remember. The shrimp-loving Bubba. Um, but in one of the scenes, they are ambushed or whatever. Um, he ends up saving multiple fellow soldiers by pulling them out, even gets shot himself. But instead of just staying in safety, he goes back in. He keeps going back in and pulling guys out, including Lieutenant Dan, who's had his legs blown off. Spoiler alert. If you guys haven't watched this movie, it's going to be ruined for you. 
Tell me Captain Dan had to been like a close second on your list. Lieutenant Dan. Yes. Gump. Yeah. So yeah, Lieutenant right, Dan. And look, we're only we're only in his mid twenties right now at this point. He then, because <laughs> of being shot in the buttocks, right, he he learns ping pong, right? And becomes mm-hmm. a international ping pong star and beats the Chinese in ping pong. Okay. He parlays that ping pong game into ping pong winnings, right? Uh, because remember, remember, Mama said it was just a white lie. If I hold this paddle, took that ping pong money and decided another American thing. I'm going to start my own business. That's right. I'm going to be a shrimp boat captain. He's an shrimp. entrepreneur. Entrepreneur, right? So he goes and buys a boat, names it Jenny. He starts off his business. He prevails through awful. You know, times of not being able to catch shrimp. There's a storm. He gets lucky. Uh, um, there's a multiple factors that happen there, but ultimately the company takes off. And then what does he do? Uh, he has his buddy, Lieutenant Dan, invest the money into some sort of sort of fruit company, which was Apple. Um, <laughs> Another and, great American company. Investing into companies, and easily he all right. He's good. But what does he do with his money? He gives half of his money to Bubba, his family. How American is that? Mama and family. They, they didn't even, he didn't even need to do that. And he said, that's the right thing to do because that, the only reason why I bought this boat was because of my buddy. That respect for that right there. That's, that's all awesome. man right yes. there. Yes. Stand so, up guy. So already he's, he's still a relatively young man. He's now set for life. He, um, you know, tries to get back with his young school sweetheart, Jenny. She denies him time after time, right? So then he decides, you know what? I'm just going to go cross-country running. He doesn't go and start turning to drugs or <laughs> prostitutes. He just gets in the most physically cardiovascular shape ever, known to man. Ever. And, and <laughs> along the way, helps out lots of people. Remember the guy with the t-shirt? He's yep. like, oh, you just stepped in a big pile of shit. He's like, it happens. He's like, what happens? <laughs> <laughs> shit happens. Hey, and you know what? He didn't ask for any money from that. He's like, that's yours, buddy. Shit happens is yours. You can have that. Absolutely. And even if you guys remember, so even towards the end, he's able to marry his high school sweetheart, Jenny. At the end, a happy ending. They married. Obviously, she dies earlier than he would have liked, but he was able to and raise his son, Lil Forrest. And instead of just like rotting away, he mows the high school football field, <laughs> even though he's a millionaire with his little, uh, that what was that little lawnmower called? It was like a, his, I can't remember. It has a specific name, but little teeny yard machine. No, it wasn't that. It had, anyone that's watched the movie knows that they're probably yelling at me right now, but he, again, he donates his time for the school and mows the yard. You know, what's crazy to me about that movie is that how did anybody ever pitch that? Like imagine sitting in the pitch room and talking to somebody (laughs) through Forrest Gump without actually seeing the movie and not not being like, what in the hell are you talking about? There's a dude with no legs and you got a guy who's like Southern comfort, you know, just like, well, I don't I, know. I, 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 think I, the reason, I think the reason why it was able to get made, I could be wrong, is instead of Tom Hanks getting his normal salary, he's like, just give me a cut of the movie. Yeah. And he ended up making like some obscene, like $400 million 
Yeah. Because it is, it's an amazing movie. I mean, it's it, just it's when you stri- describe it's just, it to somebody, it's 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 not a, like a standard type of movie. No, you know and, what I mean? and, and that's what unique. made it so good is that it ties in all these historical points. And I mean, Forrest Gump has this heart of gold that just, I mean, he he's not trying to hurt or take advantage of anybody. You know, he just is a caring person. Well, and we talk about adversity, right? Okay. And you mentioned some of the challenges that a young Mr. Gump faced in his year, early years. Private you Gump. Out, you left out one. You left out one. Oh, did I miss one? Hang on. He had another thing to overcome with his childhood. And that was, is there a Mr. Gump, Mrs. Gump? <laughs> He's on vacation. Uh, there was no Mr. Gump. There was no father. He had no father. I And you know what? It's almost like you kind of glaze over that. But you're right. I And you know what? We're taught by that movie is the mom was amazing. And so, of course, she raised this amazing boy. But we should also, when we're talking about teachers and all that, paying uh, our respects to the teachers, Mrs. Gump. His mother had to have sex with the principal. So this is circling something about teachers and American heroes. They're all tied. You're right. Yeah. I mean, if anything, we got two quality teachers. And then Mrs. Mrs. Gump maybe is also American hero because she's hey. like, I'll do whatever I need to for my son to not be in it's, the special you know education the, classes. The educators of this country, it's a passionate group. It's a passionate group of people. That's all I can say. Yeah. I, and it's so again, uh, <laughs> Using the big kids research department, Forrest Gump to me wasn't even a clear one at first. But as I started looking at all that stuff, I mean that's that's an American hero there. I mean, and you could easily just focus on this Vietnam time, right? And just say, all right, he was a hero in Vietnam. He got the Medal of Honor. But throughout his whole life, he was to me was an American hero that had all these setbacks, and people were making fun of him, and he was slow and all this stuff. But I, I love it. One of my top movies and go Forrest Gump. You know what I love about that movie and about that character in particular and how it kind of like translates to real life and things that we can learn from that movie is like, I think because we don't live in a movie that, you know, life is complicated. And a lot of times us as individuals, we overcomplicate things when here's a dude that didn't complicate anything and he just always did the right thing. He always did the right thing time and time again. He chose the right right thing. He was a kind individual. He took care of those that he loved, and he he sacrificed for others. He worked hard. I mean, he just always did the right thing. So I think it's a a teachable moment. The one thing, I I guess the one ding on him is, if you remember, he was still in the Army, and he was playing ping pong, and they discharged him, and he had his paddle, and he he took off running, and he... technically stole a u.s army issued pedal paddle sure. so i mean we can ding him a little bit on that but i'm gonna let take, that take slide. i'm gonna i'm gonna let that slide in my book <laughs> that if that's the worst thing he did in the show uh not too bad could be plus, worse plus hey if you mess with jenny he will punch you in the face I don't, <laughs> how many dudes did he punch in the face in the movie i think at least three that i know of that he just rocked them she was a folk singer yeah all right Mr. B, you continue to impress. All right, Mark, give us, (laughs) remind us of your number three and your number two. Absolutely. So for number three, we had Indiana Jones. And for number two, we had Mr. John McClane. Mm -hmm. 
So with my number one here, Big Nick, I um, so I'm just going to be honest with you guys and the listeners. I um, I cheated a little bit, guys. I cheated. Well, hang on. We don't like cheating. I know America's about. I know, I know. This this isn't the most American thing to do, but I think my selection will make up for we'll be the, the cheating judge of that. that shall be done. And where I did not cheat is I did not copy off the notes from Big Nick in the beginning of this episode. But my choice for number one is the G.I. Joe collection of characters. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I don't know. That's I don't know how yeah, I cheated by picking more than one person. No, 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 no. That's perfect. I don't know how you pick a more American selection than good old G.I. Joe. So I grew up in like the prime of G.I. Joe being established. So anybody who's not familiar with G.I. Joe, Big Nick did a great job, a little bit of history in the beginning. They're actually, they hit the market way back in 1964. That's right. And they had actually created simultaneously four different figures to represent the four branches of America's armed services. So they had Rocky, the movable fighting man representing the army. They had Skip for the Navy. They had Ace Fighter Pilot. Uh, who was obviously a proud member of the Air Force, and Rocky, apparently serving double duty, was a Marine as well. But also, oh, Rocky had it. Rocky had to do two two tours. Man. Yeah, yeah, just different outfits. Man, and all Marines that. and Army always get a raw deal. <laughs> Almost as and, skilled as Casey Ryback. Yeah, that the Air Force is just not so quite. Like, just flying around, just sipping tea, and Rocky's getting blown he, up. <laughs> he was no chef. <laughs> but, uh, you know, each of them came with fatigues and boots and cap and dog tag and all that type of stuff. Well, and, so, and, if, you, and if you guys are interested in G.I. Joe, we do reference that in a couple other episodes. So. Yes, we absolutely right. do. Scroll absolutely back. Do. Yes. So, um, and, and I guess, you know... G.I. Joe was obviously a, a big cultural thing. Um, I know when things kind of escalated in Vietnam, ironically, it actually affected the output of the G.I. Joe characters and figurines. So they actually scaled up pretty much everything back. And then really kind of the, the line that I know, the toy line, started in 1982 and continued through 1994. And then they recontinued in 1997. But um, and then there's obviously some animated television shows. There's a Marvel comic book. And it's really interesting. I've, I found one thing in the research that the genesis of the toy line came about from a chance meeting in the men's room. So, according to Jim Shooter, who at the time was the editor. <laughs> nice, nice penis, bud. <laughs> yeah, Jim Shooter. Great name, too, for the guy. Um, he was the editor-in-chief of the Marvel Comics. So, the president uh, of Hasbro was at a charity event that Marvel's president was also at. And they ended up in the men's room standing next to each other peeing. And and this is a quote from the guy. I think that's how they met. They were talking about each other's respective businesses, hopefully real <laughs> business, and not the business in their hand. Um, and it came up that Hasbro wanted to reactivate the trademark on G.I. Joe, but they were trying to come up with a new approach. And Marvel's guy was like, hey, we got the most creative people in the world, yada, yada, yada. So it's basically how it came across, which is kind of a crazy thing things that happen in the men's room. Hopefully it's one of the cleaner ones, but, uh, but just that, you know, some of the characters they had like super iconic. So Duke, who was, you know, there's a couple guys that like kind of toggled for, you know, the, the highest spot for GI Joe, but you had Duke, you had Hawk, you had Sergeant Slaughter, you had Lady J, um, 
you know, and obviously the guys that they were battling, um, you know, you got the Cobra Commander, Storm Shadow, Snake Eyes, Baroness, the Cobra hey, Infantry. Hey, you, you didn't, you're not listing those as your American heroes, right? Oh, hell no. Those are the guys okay. we were fighting. <laughs> and, and for the you rest, know what? Snake Eyes was, was a good guy. Yeah, Snake Eyes was a good guy. Don't be putting him in the bad guy. Corps. That's Storm true. Shadow you're right. Was, actually, Storm I, Shadow I'm, was the one that waffled. He, yeah. he went you're right. You're right. I misconstrued that. But don't there was ever, actually don't ever slander Snake Eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I remember though when I was a kid, and I, this game has to still exist. There was a board game oh, for GI yeah. Joe, and well, I think I may have mentioned this in another you, episode. You did, and actually, and, I, I'm upset that I a I didn't get it for my birthday from you. I expected that. <laughs> um, eBay. And, yeah. So. So, it's but not no, cheap. Pl- please not continue cheap. because I I wasn't aware of it until we talked about it in a previous episode, and I still am waiting for it to arrive at my doorstep. So, ma- so this thing was like a huge board, and the characters were like honestly probably as tall as so the the, the toy line was three point seven five inch scale, right? That's how that's how big like kind of the standard GI Joe line was, and the cardboards for these guys was huge, which for a board game like it's pretty big. And then they also had fencing, like three D fencing that you built, and you could capture the enemy and capture them and put them into these 3d fences there was 3d barracks that you built with like cardboard it was cool because it was like a, a board game that was 3d and it made it all you know feel realistic especially as a kid less than 10 years old you know you're like the coolest thing ever so but gi joe I, I don't know how you get more american than that that's my choice gentlemen love the choice and i love again gi joe and we, we talk about G.I. Joe quite frequently in some of the episodes because G.I. Joe is awesome. A real Damn. American hero. G.I. Joe is there. All right. Yes. I want to be clear, the too. That know. is not cheating, my friend. That yes, is not, not cheating. You yes. are allowed good, to pick good. a unit. You can pick a unit for All your right. choice. And yeah. I think it's a fine choice. I do want to throw this out there. You bragged about having the, the game, the board game. I, at one time in my life, this would have been, I stopped collecting gi joe comics when they released ep- when they released issue 141 mm-hmm. i had like 110 of the 140 by the time i quit collecting them because i was getting i was getting older it's kind of graduating out of, yeah. i do not have i ah. have um i have six i have six of them left i have the first five and then one random one. did you sell them or just lose them I sold them for next to nothing, yeah, which is I, terrible, which is it, like breaks my heart to this day. But when you're like, when you, you know, when you're like 19, it's 20, like, I'll you give got you 40 bucks due. for them. Yeah. You got yeah. rent due and you got no money and somebody yeah. offers you, I think somebody Sounds offered me maybe a hundred bucks for the whole box. And that yeah. turns out to be like less than a dollar an, an issue. And what I did was I was like, well, I'm going to keep the first five because the first two were the by far the most uh, valuable ones, but I was a big fan (laughs) and anybody out there that liked the comic will tell you in the comic compared to the cartoon, they actually hit their target once in a while. And sometimes (laughs) people died in the comic book on the TV show. They never seem to hit anybody. There's just a lot of spent shell casings everywhere and nobody on the ground. The comics are a little more intense, that's for sure. So, actually, I, I had to look this up while we are on here. So, it's actually called, the, anybody interested in the, the board game, it's the G.I. Joe Commando Attack Game. And it looks like there's actually one up on eBay. It ranges from $50 to $80. It, but if you, if you buy it, we get 5%. The game board was nine square feet. 
and it like Whoa, doubled. Yeah. yeah, dude. And it had like uh, these rivers that cut through it. So you had the HQ building for for GI Joe and for the Cobra HQ. That you had headquarters. A, had a GI Joe supply depot as well as Cobra, and then you had the um, you know the, the like I said the prison that you could essentially capture the well, other it, team in it and capture them. In. Sounds it sounds like a cool ass yeah, game. Yeah, we're really pushing that game hard. Talking about on multiple <laughs> we, we have been. Yeah, I'm hoping uh, one of our listeners is going to gift us one. But we, we'll see we what gotta, happens. Got, we got to get that game and we got to play it. I, I see a big kid show where we're playing GI Joe live stream. Well, it sounds like we have to play it on my <laughs> deck because it's nine by nine. We can't even play it in somebody's living room. It's huge. Nine square feet, so it's like three by three oh, okay. feet, but oh, still, okay. I got you. still pretty, pretty good size. And speaking of pushing things hard, um, that's what she said, uh, <laughs> Mister B. What's our Twitter for everybody out there in listener land? If anybody wants to follow us on Twitter or tweet at us, it is at the Big Kid Show. At the Big Kid Show, tweet at us on this one if you can find this because I just noticed something the other day when we did our. Top three frozen pizzas. Remember, I, I the number two was the Outsiders Pizza, and you guys accused me of yeah. making up a brand. And I swear to God, it existed <laughs> at one point. Yeah, I, it's not in my stores anymore around me. So uh, <laughs> I was just that one. Yeah, no. and Big Nick, it is. Uh, just so you know, I literally just purchased one like two weeks ago. So okay. they just got so, them. At, they just got them in my Kroger. No, <laughs> so we must have shipped them down, down yeah. from uh, my they're area. They're still around, but you know, and, and just so That's you know, hilarious. we're completely off topic, but still a great pizza. So mm. yes. yes, yes. All right. Well, I can't find them here in North of Columbus. So tweet at us. If you've seen these at your grocery store, who knows the outsider pizza. All right. Mark, <laughs> you are fantastic. And Thanks, God sir. bless you for picking about 200 to 300 characters to fill out your number one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> for my number three, if you will remember, I had Casey Ryback, who is not only a true American hero. He is a former Navy SEAL and one hell of a cook. We also have Hulk Hogan, who is a real American, according to his theme song. And for my number one, big kids everywhere. Here's what I went with. Look, I'm going to bring it down a little bit. Simmer down here. Oh, boy. I think dads are highly underrated as real heroes. I know my father is one of my greatest heroes, and so I will honor dads everywhere with one of the greatest American dads of all time. Clark Griswold is my number yes. one. Yes. <laughs> From the National yes. Lampoon Vacation movies. I, I tell you what, it. really, when you... When you think about it, big kids, is there any oh, dad man. that tried harder? Is Was there any dad choice. that tried harder for his family and for his children? <laughs> and he even put up with crazy Uncle Eddie or crazy Cousin Eddie Cousin and all Eddie. that nonsense. I mean, he just wanted his kids to grow up and have the same wonderful memories that he had as a child. He wanted them to have great vacations and a swimming pool in their backyard. And I tell you what, I love that man. And I love Chevy Chase for playing Clark Griswold. That's one of the uh, great comedic actors, great <laughs> comedy characters of all time from the movies. And one of the best dads in America. That's a, and you know what? I love the way your brain thinks there, Big Nick. You're right. I mean, he, yeah. He wanted. He, he did everything for his family. I mean, even in the the Christmas one, he was going to take his Christmas bonus, and he's like, "I'm buying a pool, so my family can enjoy it." And 
and the outside family can come into town and enjoy it. I still am having people over at my house, even though they drive me nuts. That's an American hero right there, putting up with crazy <laughs> Uncle Eddie and Aunt Edna and all these people because <laughs> because because it's still important to be with family, even if they drive you nuts. That it is. Dude, that's a super oh. quality choice. I'm not going to lie, Big Nick. I thought for sure that you were going to be like, my number one is dads everywhere. And I was going to oh. give you a wah, wah, wah. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, you know, I'm Come a dad. On. I get it. Uh, I thought you were going but... to say Al Bundy from Married with Children. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been pretty American too. Yeah. Griswold, that's a fantastic choice, Big Nick. Fully, yes. fully endorse oh, that. And, and plus, again, you go to any of the movies in that whole uh, series of movies, he does the same thing. It's first kids. It's we're going on vacation. We're going to Europe. I want you guys to enjoy life and trying to keep his family together. Even the the most recent one, which even was still a while ago, the um the Vegas vacation. Vac- I think they just the oh, Vegas, yeah, Vegas vacation. Vegas vacation when they go to Vegas and he actually blows through like forty thousand dollars and then they end up <laughs> winning it back at the end. And again, his goal was still family, but he I mean he has his issues, but all dads have a little bit of issues, right? Hey, but he's again, he's just trying to trying to raise yes. his kids right and treat his family right and let them create the memories that uh, he wants them to have when they get older. Because yeah. we don't stay young for long, and um, our kids all grow up, and so it's uh, it's important to uh, to love your friends, love your family, and not every hero has to wear a cape. That's oh, right. there it is. Yeah, and with. With all that said, we want to wish everybody a very happy and safe 4th of July. Eat some brats, eat some burgers, drink some beers. And you know what? Everybody have fun tonight. Everybody Wang Chung tonight. (laughs) We'll see you next week. We are the big kids.